Thank you for listening to the Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Here's today's message from our pastor, James Demmel. Turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 with me. We started a series called Deliverance by Name. The first week that we started this series, we looked at the name Jesus. The meaning was Savior, Deliverer, and Rescuer. Last week, we looked at the name Christ. It's the translation from the Old Testament word Messiah, and it means anointed one. Now, if we're going to have full disclosure, we've got to look at the name Lord. One of the most important understandings that we get is the full expression of the name Jesus. And if we express his understanding as everything that he is, it has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. As we explained last week, Jesus is his human name. Christ is his office and Lord is his title. Now the passage that we're going to look into has led to a great deal of misunderstanding and confusion. It reads like this, Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Dear Heavenly Father, today, Lord, we ask for once again you to touch us, Lord, and give us understanding and wisdom. Lord, I pray today, Father, God, that you give us the power, Father, that you displayed in the Bible so that we can go forth and win the lost. Lord, I, I pray today, Father, that you animate me because, God, I want everybody in this room to understand that I can't do this without you, God. I want your anointing to touch me today. I want to be transformed by the power of your blood, Father. Lord, I pray, God, that you reach the multitudes of people, Father, through this church, God, that we are able to win our community, Father, and reach out to our community and show them Jesus Christ, God. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that you use this church to do that. Not one man, not one leader, but God, I pray that you use this church. And God, people can go to church anywhere, but I want a church, Father, where, where your blood drips off of it, where your power drips off of it, where your anointing, Lord, people are drawn to it like a light, like a beacon in the middle of the night. So, Lord, we pray that you give them ears to hear, but more importantly, I pray that you open their heart wide open to understand your word. And we'll never fail to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said... Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, I don't know if there's anything that has captured your attention or, or given you thought on this, but what catches my attention is there are two things that, that Paul says you must do to be saved. He says, number one, confess with your mouth the Lord, Jesus Christ. And number two, he says, believe in your heart. When you do those two things, he says, you'll be saved. But, but what, what engages my thought and, and what gives me understanding or what makes me want to have understanding is that Paul is talking about a dual requirement for salvation. That seemingly goes against a multitude of scriptures 
that does not have a dual requirement for salvation. Now, pastor, what do you mean? I, I, I don't know what you mean. Well, if you look at John 3, 16 and multiple other scriptures, the Bible says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then he says this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's as if Paul is trying to confuse us. And, and I have to give you an understanding here. When I read this scripture and it causes me to go into thought and it engages me. And if you're not just skimming the scripture, if you're really trying to understand it, you have to understand that there is something there that is different than other verses. And that's the dual requirement. Paul says you must not only believe, but you must confess the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Now, if you're engaged in your reading, you want to grab Paul, or at least I want to grab Paul, and I want to shake him and say, look here, bucko, what are you talking about? Because there, there's transformation that occurs, but unless we understand it, all we get is a confu confusion. Amen? So the apostle Paul says there's two things that you must do. Do I do the one thing that I've always done, and that is believe in Christ? Or do I have to do this second thing, which he's talking about, it, which is confess Christ? What are we talking about here? What if a believer or someone, I believe on Jesus Christ, and then I get in a car wreck and I never confess Jesus Christ? Am I saved or not? That's what we're going to be talking about today. About 50% of the misunderstanding is wrapped in this word saved. I think I've said this before, but we're going to recap this again. The word saved has three tenses in the Bible. There is the salvation in the past from the penalty of sin. There is the salvation in the future from the presence of sin. There is the salvation in the present, that's now, over the power of sin. That means that you do not have to sin. Amen. That changes my understanding. So, so let me just start right off the bat and, and make everybody mad at me because that means that you have a decision whether you sin or not. I have a decision whether I sin or not. But there are three forms, the penalty, the presence, and the power that this word um, salvation represents. And the word saved is used for those. Well, pastor, I'm not following you. When you see the word saved, you have to ask which tense is the Bible referring to? Is Paul referring, now follow me here, to the salvation of yesterday when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? Is Paul referring to this, this rescuer, this deliverer, this savior? And I want to add one today, this substitute. Because when he died on the cross, he substituted my brokenness, my circumstance, my sin for him. Isn't that the greatest thing? He died for me so that I could live. Oh, I want to get excited about it because it's his substitution that made me able to be heir through God or with God. And so we're going to talk about this substitute today. You ever heard that Jesus is 
the all-knowing teacher. Well, he gets to be the substitute too. Jesus became the substitute for sin. He took my place. So Paul is not referring to the salvation of yesterday when you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. He is talking about, he's not talking about the salvation of tomorrow when you may not need Jesus as your Savior in the future. What Jesus is talk, talking about, or Paul is talking about, is the salvation of the present. What I want you to understand, it's when you get overwhelmed with the world and you get overwhelmed with the flesh man and, and Satan begins to overwhelm you. What, what, what Paul is literally talking about is that there is this salvation that comes over you that causes you to be different. You are not the same. The flesh man is far removed from you. That mind, that will, that emotion that you used to have has been removed because Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, He is preeminent. He is in control. Your mouth changes. Your talk changes. The way that you dress changes because you want to represent Jesus Christ as your Savior. You follow me? Okay. So, I want you to understand when you get that salvation that he's talking about, that present salvation. You're affected in all three areas of your life. The world that you live in is affected. The flesh man is affected. And those demons that you carry are affected. Because you cannot remain the same and know Jesus Christ. Now, Paul actually gives us a little help in this verse because I know I've blown everybody out of the water. But I want you to understand this is an amazing concept if we can get a hold of it. He gives us help in verse 10. He says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With your heart. You know Satan believes. That doesn't make him saved. With the heart the man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confess, confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth confession is made. So you are made righteous, I just read it, because you believe. However, you're not saved until you confess. A lot of great people are going to hell because they've never said, God, come into my life, transform me, save me, change me, make me whole. And so we get the world, the flesh man, the devil, that become the result of these three things that are entangled in our life. So Paul's speaking in the present because he's actually speaking to the believer. If you read the whole chapter, you realize that he's speaking to the believer. He's not speaking to a non-believer. This concept may be surprising to you. It may be something that you can't get a grip on or understand, but I want you to understand that when Paul presents this, to these believers. He rocked their world. Because a lot of people come for Facebook church. 
That is, they want a social gathering. They, they want something that they can communicate with other people because they can't do it by themselves, and that is called religion. But what Jesus Christ came to do through salvation is give you a relationship with Him. Listen, I don't believe, and this may shock you, that a Christian has to come to church every Sunday. Say what? But this is what I do believe, and I believe the Bible supports what I'm telling you. I believe that men and women of God want to come to the house of God. They want to hear from God. They want to have a download from heaven. And I want you to understand it is our job to get out into the community, to get out into this place called MacArthur where God sent me and he sent you. See, every time I talk, I'm saying, God sent me, God sent me. But you're here every Sunday, so guess what? God sent you. And God, I'm telling you, wants to work on you. He wants to develop you. He wants to transform you. And if you don't know him today, he wants to save you. Lord, help us. To be saved is part of your history. To be delivered is part of your history. And so not only does God want to save you in the present, he wants to save you from your history. Buddy, I don't know. I don't know if you're getting it. I got a history. My history is not the greatest history. There's people in this church house that can tell you about my history. They can tell you about my brokenness. They can tell you about my ignorance. They can tell you about what's wrong with my life. And that's okay. Because I want you to understand that there was a day that I found this present Savior. This, this public ha, authority. This God, this Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah, anointed one, public authority, rescuer, deliverer, healer, helper. We need him today. I don't know why people come to church and they, they, they say, I, I can't feel God. I can't reach God. I can't touch God. It's because you've rejected God. And you can sit there all day long in a numb state not feeling anything. Or you can begin to praise, worship, magnify the creator of this world. And that wasn't in my notes. When you accept Jesus Christ, you are an overcomer of your history. You're an overcomer of your circumstance. You're an overcomer of your sin. You're an overcomer. Listen, why do people want to stay in dead, dried up areas of their life when they can come alive in Jesus Christ? Well, some people said, well, my church is dead. Other people say, my job is dead. I hate to be there. Other people say, I can't go to my families because all we do is fight. It's dead. It's dried up. I don't know what to do. Why remain in that place when you can get a hold of Jesus Christ and let him transform you and some of y'all are going to need an Ativan today he demands this Jesus Christ more than just your faith in him he demands confession of him as Lord and so let's define what Lord is today that's what we're doing 
We're trying to understand the names of Jesus. Because if you don't understand the names of Jesus, I'm not sure. Oh my God, you know I said this about 15 years ago. I jumped up in front of a youth service. There was about, what, 200 people here? And I said this. I said, I'm not even sure that I'm saved. And everybody went, (gasps) you know why? Because I was a youth pastor. Come, Come again, my pastor said. He about lost his mind. What, what, what do you mean you're not saved? I didn't know how to articulate that then. So in my young age, I, I didn't know that I was saved. I was completely saved. I had the understanding and the revelation of God. But what God does is he begins to take you up a rung. You begin to step up the ladder and you begin to realize that the best you were ever, that you ever thought you could be was not good enough. However, when he became your savior, it's like he inserted himself into you. And listen, everything in you begin to change. You you were able to step up on the ladder because Jesus Christ was working through you. And so, I think we're going to go back to try to defining what Lord is. I think that's where I was at. The word Lord, which is the Greek word, is the word kurios. Now watch what it means. Supreme in authority. That's a noun. Controller by implication. Now watch. By implication as a respectful title. Master controller. God. Lord. Master. Sir. So you mean tell me when somebody calls me sir, they're calling me Lord? So I I thought I was old. Excuse me, sir. Oh, you don't have to call me that. I'm James. Now I'm going to be like, yes, sir, what you need. Right? He says, sir. But then it says superintendent, manager, boss. The Septuagint is the Greek understanding or the Greek translation of the Old Testament. What it is, what's it saying? What it's saying is that it's the Hebrew form translated into the Greek. It says this. Supreme in authority. The word kurios is the Hebrew word for Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is the Old Testament understanding of the word God. Holy one. Set apart. Sterile. See, God lives in a sterile environment. He lives in, a, he lives in perfection. Without Jesus Christ, we could never touch perfection. But because that he wanted us to experience everything that he was, he sent forth his son into a woman to die and to raise again. And so, when you see the word Lord attached to Jesus Christ, it's in reference to his deity. The Lord Jesus Christ. The master controller of my life. Now, I... I, At the very end of my message today, I'm going to give you a printout of definitions on this board. Of what the Lord Jesus Christ means. And what I want you to understand is that his name far exceeds anything that we can fathom. And I just grouped a list of things that we have been teaching about. But I want you to know that I didn't include that he is love. I I want you to know that I didn't include that the Bible says that he's wonderful, counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father. I didn't include that, that He is your shield. I didn't include that He is your buckler. I, I, I didn't include that He is your mercy, your grace, your transformation, your power. I didn't include anything. I included stuff like this. He's a public authority. I just love the word. I, I love the little title, public authority. Because what I understand is when Jesus comes inside of me, He's my public authority. He transforms the way that I'm able to communicate to people because He came to publicly save that which was lost. It's good stuff. As Larry the Cable Guy would say, I don't care who you are. It's good stuff. The fact is that he is God. Now, this understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ gets Jesus in trouble in Matthew chapter 22. Because the Pharisees believed that the Messiah would be a man, but that's basically all they knew. And we have to get this understanding because the max of their knowledge caused them to error in their ways. Because, oh, trouble's looming. Because what we do in the church is the max of grandma's knowledge is what we go with. The, 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 the max of what, you know, great grandpa Eddie, we got a picture of him in our house. And he taught us everything that we know about the Lord. And we need Grandpa Eddie here today to guide us and instruct us in the ways of the Lord. No, that's called the Bible. And here's the problem. Grandpa Eddie had his own take on the Bible. And a lot of times what Grandma and Grandpa have is their own take on the Bible with their limited knowledge of the Word. But I want you to understand that the Bible says that Jesus came to give pure truth. He came to give pure religion. He came to give pure knowledge. I'm going to blow you out of the water. He came to give pure education. Your education in this world, in colleges, that's great. I want people to go to school. I want them. But you will never have pure education until you get into the Word of God and find what He is telling you. Get it in your life. Paul said, I found it and I did eat it because it was everything to him he wanted more and more and more and if you're in a place in your life where you don't want more and more and more of Jesus you are in T-R-O-U-B-L-E did I even spell that right praise his holy name that's called the anointing and so Jesus gets into trouble in Matthew 22 he says this, it goes back to King David in Psalms 110 and 1, The Lord said unto my Lord, set thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. We fast forward to Matthew twenty-two forty-four, and the same exact verse is in there. The Lord said unto my Lord, set thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? Now, I want you to understand that Jesus in Matthew 22 is quoting this to the Pharisees. He says, And no man was able to answer him a word, neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more 
questions. The Pharisees were baffled. The Pharisees didn't understand. They did not believe that he was the Messiah. They did not believe that he was the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed that he was another man. As a matter of fact, a lot of them did not even believe that he was a prophet. And so what we find is as we scroll down and and jump a couple chapters, we find that Jesus Christ stands in the hall and they begin to talk to him and they begin to have a government trial against him because they wanted to wipe him out because the mere thought of Jesus turned the world upside down. From the moment he was born, the world has been turned upside down. And we've got to believe it. And so Matthew 26, 63 tells us this. But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. That guy's face melted off him when he heard those words. And what he screams out is the next verse, verse 65. Then the high priest rent his clothes. He was furious. He could not believe what he was saying. But at the same time, he's like, I got you. The Bible says that he has spoken blasphemy is what the high priest said. What further need have we of witness? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. Because he said, listen, I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of my father. You go ahead and take this flesh life. As a matter of fact, I'm giving it up to you. But I want you to understand that when you take this flesh from me, I will sit at the right hand of my father. Oh, my life is going to transform. I come to give you the word in the flesh. And if you take it, baby, I got more power. And so you go right ahead. You let them take it from me. Because I want you to understand, I will sit where I was meant to be at the right hand of the throne. Boy, I'm telling you right now. And that's what got Jesus crucified. The Lord Yahweh of the Old Testament. And so when you say the Lord... Jesus Christ, it brings out the deity of the Lord alongside his humanity. And Jesus, once again, fulfilled his public authority or his office as Christ. The word God is Lord. Jesus is man and Christ is office. He's anointed one. He's prophet, priest, and king. And the Bible says that Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you must confess the Lord. You must believe him to be the Lord, to be saved. Because if you don't confess him to be Lord, then you're going to ask for his help, and that's not going to work. See, there's a lot of people that don't believe him to be Lord. But they want him to help them. There's people that are non-believers that when they get into trouble, they call out to this Jesus that they don't understand. There's a lot of 
church people that call out to this Jesus they don't understand. Can, can I say it this way? They call out to this Jesus that they've never confessed. The Bible says that you have to confess him as Lord. You only get delivered by the confession. And I don't mean like a confession. I mean like declaring that he is Lord. When you place yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ and recognize his authority in your life, I want you to understand there is nothing outside the scope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was anybody here the day several weeks ago when I got the keys? And I had the key ring. And I said, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you were inside his ring of control. Now, here's what you don't seem to understand. His ring of control compasses and encompasses this whole universe. There is nothing outside of his control. Therefore, I, I want to say it again. There is nothing that is too big for God to handle. That means when the Bible says that he will not lay on you more than you can take, it's because everything that you can take is encompassed inside his ring, his power, his flow, his mercy, his grace, his anointing. Listen, cancer can be healed through his anointing. Your, your mental health issue can be taken care of through his anointing. Your, your, whatever ailment that you have in your body can be taken care of through his anointing. That's why you come to church. But we sit on the church pew dried up and shriveled up like a bunch of prunes when we need to get a hold of the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost, the broken, the weak, weary, and stray.